the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live lead. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Here we are, folks. Thank you for joining us. We are in the house. Jacob right across the table. Tonight we move from the book of Isaiah that we've been looking at for the last, what, two or three uh, a couple weeks. Sundays? Yeah, a couple of Sundays at least. And tonight we move from the book of Isaiah, this great prophet of God, to another equally great prophet of God. And yet a lot of people consider him... Uh, to some degree, at least, I guess at some level you could evaluate his life and his ministry and his influence, and you would say that Jeremiah was a failure, that he just didn't he didn't have the effect he wanted to have. He didn't have the intended effect. He was not listened to. He was not respected. Uh, he was not uh, his message was not received, and um, of course we're left behind to look at it and judge it and see what really happened and what really. Uh, what really went on, and if there's some, I'm particularly interested, Jacob, tonight in talking a little bit about what is the relevance of these these two prophetic books. This Isaiah, who uh, what was a period of 50 years or so that he was uh, pre- preaching to Israel and preaching to to uh, about to the nations surrounding them and telling them about what God was doing and what was happening. And the same thing with Jeremiah. I'm, I'm kind of curious, not only of getting what was taught and what they were saying in their context, in their historical moment, but also what is the relevance? What does this mean to us today? Is there is there something important being said to us as human beings, as Americans today, 
uh, is there any similarity, perhaps, between what's happening today in our times with fake news and Donald Trump and you know, Democrats, Republicans, and, all, and what's going on in our own nation? So I, I'm kind of curious, particularly, uh, surely uh, when, when Jewish folks look at the scriptures and they remember these times in their own history, do they make applications? Do they say, do they see it sometimes while wow, we're doing that same thing, we're, we're making that same mistake? You know, uh, I attend, as I told you, a couple of different Torah studies through the week, and, I, and I, sometimes I attend Christian Bible studies. Uh-oh, and, we're in trouble. Well, that's all right. <laughs> and, uh, but at any rate, uh, but I do find this. This is what it seems to come down to to address your question. It seems to come I bet I know what you're going to say, but I'll tell you if i tell you if I'm right, and I'll be honest. Will you? Mm-hmm. You don't want to put it in a sealed envelope? or like that? <laughs> No, no. I have a uh, feeling I know. Well, it comes down to what somebody believes. If somebody believes it, then it's, uh, it's relevant. If they think it's just a bunch of stories put together by several different writers, in other words, when somebody tells me, oh, this is put together by many different people, and they just sign different people's names to it, my response is, well, what you're telling me is it's a forgery. Because if I write a check and sign Soapy's name to it, that's a forgery. So if I write a book and sign your name, that's a forgery. So I, I, I always say, well, what you're telling me is it's a forgery. So it depends on what you believe. And that's really what it comes down to, if you want. But it is a choice. And I have made my choice because uh, John's <laughs> holding up a signed ghostwriter's. <laughs> uh, in, in the sky, or don't lie. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so, so, um, but I have noticed everybody's going to make a choice, and I've looked at everything, and I've listened to the arguments and all the presentations on every side of the table because I've been very curious, and I wanted myself to have an answer. So I made a choice. It's not that I just go on blind faith. Quite frankly, I think I go on very illuminated faith. Right. But to be illuminated, you got to know what it says. But I have found that's that what I thought you were going to say. Not only that uh, we don't believe it, they don't, right. but frankly, I, I'm not even sure anymore mm-hmm. people read it. I mean, I don't. I'm not even quite sure they even know. <laughs> and maybe that's a sign of not believing it. But but. Well, I have found that many people, and this is a kind of across the board. Now, not, I'm going to be quite frank with you, not in the real deep believing Christian setting. They do read it. And in the deep believing Jewish section, Orthodox, if you will, mm-hmm. they read it. But I have found in the run of the mill, cotton candy Christian setting, and, uh, and in the. Uh, <laughs> cotton candy Christian. And the. Uh, and in the very unaware area of the Jewish readers, they don't read it. The first time they hear it is when they come to the study. That's the first time. I, I'm not going to pick on anybody, but I, I do find I heard several things said, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, they, the questions they're asking and disputing come up within the next ten verses. And that tells me somebody has not even spent ten minutes reading it. Now, that's okay. I go some places sometimes, and I'm tired. I just want to sit there and be entertained. You run with it. I'll be clever and come up with a question. But I have noticed that what people, when they, one of the real hazards, 
and I have found, is that people disassemble. And see, in Hebrew, that's, it goes exactly backwards. You're not supposed to disassemble. The original is what it means. You're supposed to assemble. So you take the later words and put it on what the original was. So it's exactly backwards, but in our, our scientific knowledge, we tend to do retroactivity engineering. So we, t- we disassemble. But what I have found is that if you believe, if you may, and it's a decision, if you make a decision, I made a decision. That's the difference. I said, look, without this, if it's not real, why study it? I'm wasting my time. And why, why should I waste my time? I can do something else. So, however, I prefer to kind of paint it in a very positive light. That's going to be a little surprising to you, whether it was in a Christian setting or a Jewish setting. If people keep coming and they keep showing up, I have the feeling that somewhere they want it to be true. Sooner or later, yes. Well, I don't know about what's little... going to happen sooner or later because I, I really want to focus on what they want. Mm-hmm. I think they want it to be true. And I could be wrong about that, but I think that's what they want because they're coming because they want it to be true. They want to be argued. Now, I'll tell you, there are some uh, fine Jewish scholars out there, and but they like to pick apart things. Mm-hmm. And I have found this that what they do is they're so concentrated on defining another word and saying, oh, this came from Babylon, this came from this, and they're picking it apart, exactly opposite what Hebrew literature is supposed to do. But what they do, don't do is they never give context, the, all the scholars I'm talking about. They don't give meaning. They don't come up with a, with a better moral lesson. They will never even take the position of saying, what is the moral lesson? What's the meaning I'm supposed to be getting out of this? That's never mentioned. One of the primary rules is the first thing that must be discarded is any kind of supernatural events. That's immediately discarded. Right. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, there's a very pretty famous uh, scholar at one of the colleges, and he's well, well acknowledged. He's a scholar. And I've spent 30 hours listening to him. And he absolutely says, and he's a very fair man, because he says, look, the first thing we do is we disallow anything supernatural or spiritual. That's where, so that's out of the, our realm. So now we're just going to talk about what things say and what they mean. Well, immediately you can start tying it to other cultures that have similar stories or perhaps similar words. What happened is, but I find he never gives a better moral lesson. He never even explains what was the message, the meaning of this passage. He doesn't seem to give better laws. He doesn't even seem to have better arguments. The whole thing is just pulling apart and detracting. And so I found that I I was listening to something on the way. Do you think that's intentional? It has to be, right? In other words, it, it has to be an intentionality to that yeah. based on the fact that they don't believe this is God's word. I think they, that's, that's what I'm referring so to. So therefore... A, yeah, belief. If you make a decision, because, <clears throat> you know, faith and belief, that's really a decision. Right. It's like being with somebody you're married to. You know, uh, I've seen many marriages that were not necessarily were not re- wildly romantic in love. But they knew it was the right thing to do, and they made a decision. And I've heard people say this, that I made a decision to be in love and a decision to take care of my family. And the decision is what's rewarding. If you just go by your emotions, things never work. Right, yeah. So 
in the the biggest distinction I've noticed in the certain sections of the Jewish world, they do tend to pull it apart, but they never put it back together with a meaning or a moral lesson. And even the scholars that I'm referring to. And so essentially, their their involvement, even their their entire involvement in that is. If you take away the spiritual aspect and there's no spiritual dimension, right. and there's no, then I assume then it's just what, it's just culture, it's just uh, intellectualism, it's just, uh, is that where the interest comes now? You know, I'm Jewish, so I have, you know, these are. No, because I'm going, I did all that as a preface to what I'm going to say about my <clears throat> okay. Christian Bible studies that sometimes I do attend. Mm-hmm. Now, I found a different aspect with the Christians. Both groups have a devout group that really reads it and studies it. But in the, let's say, the far liberal, in the Jewish world, it's kind of what I described. They don't come with a better moral lesson. They don't have a better argument. They don't even have a better better moral teaching. All they do is want to pull away from whatever moral teachings. In fact, I cannot find in uh, some of the Jewish scholars, one who works at a big college, and he's a very popular guy these days, mm-hmm. I can't find, I've, I've read three of his books, I've listened over 30 hours of his lectures, I can't find that he ever has said, what is the moral te- teaching? What is the meaning of this passage that we're looking at? What's the takeaway, huh? Yeah. So that's what well, the Jews... But, but at the very least, on the Jewish side, yeah. you have the cultural, societal, historical, at least you have that attachment mm-hmm. That may not be what was intended and the right mm-hmm. one, but at least there's a logic to why they're well, interested gl- in it. And believe it or not, I'm headed towards Jeremiah. Okay. Now, but I want to say in the <clears throat> Christian world, what I found, of course, I say both sides have a very devout group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Christian, let's say, can't what I kind of term. What can- we call Christian. You know. <laughs> candy, cotton Christians, just um, loobies, you know, take and pick. I have found that the substitute for lack of knowledge. Now, I'm going to ha- what I'm going to say will make me Jeremiah in some people's eyes, or should I say ears? <laughs> but what I have found, what they lack for knowledge, they make up in what they construe to be faith. And faith, I think, is wonderful. But if you don't have something to tie it to then you're making it up. And I'm going to give you a, a couple of examples. Well, the object of your faith is crucial in this little thing. I mean, but, just but, having faith but by itself. if you don't know, I have found that uh, the lack of knowing what something says is very, very important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, before we get started on Jeremiah tonight, because Jeremiah, by the time Jeremiah comes along, uh, Isaiah was a contemporary of Hosea and... Uh, uh, the the uh, the first group of prophets, they had they were kept warning people repent do this do better. Well, if you don't believe that things will go better, if it's not part of your decision making to believe that you must repent, then you won't repent. No, you won't. So, then the next group comes with Jeremiah. Jeremiah and Ezekiel existed at the same time. Now, what's fascinating is Ezekiel ends up in Babylon, as we know. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah ultimately ends up in Egypt. Egypt, yeah. Now, there's a law, one of the Jewish laws in Deuteronomy, that you shall not return to live in Egypt. You can, a Jew can visit there, but they're not supposed to go there to live. But let me just run through a kind of a scheme what happens here. 
uh, just the overall picture. So Jeremiah, we know he's picked by God, as the story says. Well, first of all, if you don't think that's true, you're not going to buy the fact that he's picked by God. So, But if you've made the decision to accept it, and that the repenting does change things, and prayer does change things, then it's got a different meaning to you. But if you disallow that, then the rest of it is nothing but poorly written literature. Mm. So now, Jeremiah exercised his ministry. He preached and he delivered his messages for, what, for about 40 years up, leading up to uh-huh. 1586 when uh-huh. when Jerusalem was destroyed. Yes, Jerusalem so, was destroyed. So we're talking about those 40 years Right before the fall of It is, of and I know we're only going to go through chapter up to 13 or 14 tonight, <clears throat> but I'm going to jump ahead, but next week I'm going to give you a teaser. The Jews know, at least the ones that know, know, and the Muslims, the ones that know, know, that the Jews know where the Ark of the Covenant is and has always been, and it's in Jeremiah. Now, that's a teaser for next week. So we're going to say what, where Jeremiah says. I've never done this on the radio show before, but next week we're going to actually say where Jeremiah said the ark is, and the Jews followed the book of Jeremiah to find it. Did you know that? Isn't that interesting? Actually, I did, but yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to your because sharing it again. I actually heard a rabbi with my own ears say, uh, I've been asked by the state of Israel not to say if we found the Ark of the when Covenant. He, when he was asked, when he was asked did so you discover it? A reporter it, asked, did you find it? And he said, I've been asked by the state of Israel not to say if we found it. I can only tell you that we're not looking for it no more. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but at any rate, so the, the, what I understand is so technically messing is the breastplate and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. At any rate, now. So let's go back and let's take a look at the schematic, you might say, of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah, when he comes along, the request for a repenting, that's kind of over. There's yep. been there's been a, what you might call a divine decree. The judgment's set. It's too late. Now, that's why they don't like him, because they start saying things to him like, well, God didn't say that. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is something else. Mm-hmm. They have these false prophets, false kings. And he has it recorded there that God said at one point, which is really striking. Uh, really, if you ever read it head on, it just sort of kind of sits you up straight. And make, God tells Jeremiah, don't even pray for these people anymore. That's right. In fact, he names three very famous people, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Do you know the people? Tell me. Daniel. Moses, okay, Noah. Even if they were to yeah. come back, you know, so, yeah. So, but let me tell you, just give you a sketch. Now, we're not anywhere near this night, but I want to start off so as we go through the first 13, 14 chapters, we've got an idea of what's really going on. In 42.4, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm reading from the English translated from the Hebrew, okay? Jeremiah 42.4. Yeah, and it says, uh, 42.4 says, uh, where am I at? Okay. The prophet Jeremiah said to them, all right, I will pray. Because they came to him and said, Jeremiah, hey, look, things are looking pretty bad. Pray for us. Go to God. Talk to him. Because, you know, he evidently listens to you. So go pray for us. So his answer in 42.4 is, the prophet Jeremiah said to them, all right, Mm -hmm. I will pray for uh, to our God for you as you request. I will tell him. I will tell you I everything will, he says. I will tell you exactly what he says, and I'll reply it back to you. Now, why don't you read the verse 10? 
Um, so Jeremiah says, you sent me to the Lord your God of Israel with the request, and this is God's reply. Uh-huh. Stay here in this land. If you do, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you, for I am sorry about all the punishment I've had to bring upon you. Do not fear the king of Babylon anymore, says the Lord, for I am with you and will save you and rescue you from his power. So they have just told Jeremiah they want him to talk to God. God, He says, okay, I believe you. I'll go talk to him. And I'll come back and tell you what he said. And you just read what Jeremiah told Stay here. Stay well, here. Let's see what happens. Now take a look over at 4219. This is all in chapter 42. Listen, you remnant of Judah. The Lord has told you, do not go to Egypt. Don't forget this warning I have given you today. This is Jeremiah speaking. For you were not being honest when you sent me to pray Whoa, to the Lord your that, God. Look, your word they use is, you're not being honest. <clears throat> In the ver- Hebrew version, it says... You, you have, were lying. No, you were deceiving me. Mm. You wanted me to tell God that, and it didn't. But go ahead and read what you got. Um, you were not being honest. You were you were deceiving. You said, just tell us what the Lord your God says, and we will do it. And today I have told you exactly what God said, but you will not obey the Lord your God any better than you have in the past. So you can be sure that you will die from war, famine, and disease in Egypt where you insist on going. Now, so they were told, we just said in Deuteronomy, there's a law not to reside in Egypt anymore. Don't return to sin, in other words, what that's about. So what's happening is, he said, okay, I'll do what you say, I'll ask God. God says, don't go down. Stay here. I'll take care of it. If you repent and stay here, I'll handle it. They didn't. And then Jeremiah says, you lied to me. You deceived me. So then they go. So then they go. And uh, have you read verse 20 already? In that same chapter? Yes, I did. Okay. All right. Well, now look at uh, what I really want you to do is take a look over at, uh, let's see, uh, verse 44, verse 1. This is the message Jeremiah received concerning the Judeans living in northern Egypt in the cities of Migdal, Tophanes, and Memphis, and in southern Egypt as well. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the Lord of Israel, says. Mm-hmm. Did you catch what you said? So they lied to him. They, they wanted him to lie to God. Mm-hmm. He told them what God said. But now we have moved. They actually went down to Egypt. Not just to they, visit. They're living in northern yeah. Egypt in the cities, these cities mentioned, and in southern Egypt as well. So they actually did. And I want to tell you, there is a city that the remnants are still there, by the way, in Egypt. And I believe the name of the city was now, it's now called Elephantine. And it was a Jewish city. And those were the Jews that came down from Israel after this whole incident with Jeremiah. They no longer exist there. Exactly what was said did take place. And when they left, they actually took, they kidnapped Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is taken with them. Now, history records, because in Jeremiah, when the book ends, we don't know where he's going. But history records, both, by the way, Egyptian and Jewish history record, that Jeremiah did go down and did die in Egypt. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what's fascinating is, at now, how many books do you know in the book of Jeremiah? How many chapters? Yeah, yeah, chapters. Uh, I can look real quickly. You but can. You got it. Right <clears throat> I've got it right in front of me. I think it's almost this. 
It's, uh, I was going to say 50. What is it? 52. 52 chapters. All right. Well, it's interesting. Now look at verse 5164. Okay. I'm there. What's it, what, does it, what does that say? <clears throat> 64 specifically says, um, <clears throat> well, let me go. I'm going to start at 63. Uh, when you have finished reading the scroll, says the Lord, tie it to a stone and throw it into the Euphrates River. Then say, in this same way, Babylon and her people will sink, never again to rise because of the disasters I will bring upon her. This is the end of Jeremiah's messages. Now, Jeremiah, now let me give you the literal word-for-word translation from the Hebrew. Okay. That says, the last sentence is, up to here the words of Jeremiah are, and now stop. That's when it's all done. So all we know is that he was taken down. And then after that, of course, Jerusalem was conquered and destroyed. That's when the first temple was destroyed. So what we've got is we've got these people actually not wanting uh, to uh, tell the truth to God, but they want Jeremiah to lie to God for them. Mm -hmm. And Jeremiah comes back, confronts them, and says, you told me this, that you repent. But So it seems that it would there was might have been a slight chance, but the divine decree at the time of Jeremiah was already in place. So it seems like it was coming. So at any rate, I wanted to give that kind of a thumbnail sketch to show you what's really going on. And they did exactly what said in Deuteronomy, do not return to Egypt. Egypt in Hebrew is Mitzrayim. That just means boundaries. So you're within the boundaries. Boundaries of what? Boundaries of sin. And yet they have returned. And so what's happened is uh, that's what's going on. Now, the reason I put that all in order for our first 13, 14 chapters, that kind of, I think, gives us context of what this whole thing is going on, how futile what he's saying is the people that are asking them to do stuff in the thir- first 13, 14 chapters. But what's also going to happen is it is so much like what I find many times when I go to, and I hate to say it, uh, cert, certain Torah studies and certain Christian Bible studies. Yeah, I, that's that's what I'm thinking. As we look at as we look at Isaiah and Jeremiah, you can look at it just historically. You can look at it just as as an interesting example. Uh, in the first place, you can look at like like it's all just a game. It's just books. It's just stories. Then, if you believe that really God is involved. Then you can look at it in their experience, but then you look at it and say, wow, that's what we see going on in our own culture, in our own society today. Uh, there's some some incredible things happening, and I've seen see so much of it explained in Isaiah and Jeremiah. Don't go away. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Sometimes our to-do list needs to wait. Our Daily Bread. Today's encouragement from the Our Daily Bread devotional was written by James Banks. 
I headed into the post office in a big hurry. I had a number of things on my to-do list, but as I entered, I was frustrated to find a long line backing up all the way to the door. Hurry up and wait, I muttered, glancing at my watch. My hand was still on the door when an elderly stranger approached me. I can't get this copier to work, he said, pointing to the machine behind us. It took my money, and I don't know what to do. Immediately, I knew what God wanted me to do. So I stepped out of line and was able to fix the problem in ten minutes. The man thanked me and then left. As I turned to get back in line, guess what? It was gone. I walked straight to the service counter. My experience that day reminds me of Jesus' words in Luke 6, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. My wait seems shorter because God interrupted my hurry. By turning my eyes to others' needs and helping me give of my time, He actually gave me a gift. And it's a lesson that I hope to remember the next time I look at my watch. We do hope that these daily programs inspire you to go deeper in studying the Bible. For additional resources and encouragement, download the Our Daily Bread ebook and mobile app. Prefer a print copy? We'll gladly send one your way for no cost or obligation. Visit getodbtoday.org. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. National and local ministry shows you know and trust every weekday on AM 630 The Word, like Through the Bible, Mornings at 6, Know the Truth at Noon, and The Word You Stand On for Life, Afternoons at 4, on AM 630 The Word and AM 630TheWord.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. We all need something or someone to have our backs when things get tough. That seems to be the theme of Jumpsuit, a new single from the alt-rock duo 21 Pilot. The song and its video leave us with many questions about the message the group is attempting to communicate. There's even a bit of an ominous feel to it all. But the tune certainly encourages us to consider who or what we will turn to in troubled times. And that's something well worth thinking about in your day-to-day life. So I'll give Jumpsuit a 4 out of 5 for family friendliness. For more, be sure to visit us at PluggedIn.com slash radio. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Bob Olszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. I will worship with all of my heart. And I will praise you you with all of my strength. And I will seek you all of my days. And I will follow all of your ways. 
National Weather Service in Austin, San Antonio has issued a flash flood warning for Southern Bay County until 11.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time. At 8.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time, Doppler radar indicated thunderstorms producing heavy rain across the warned area. Up to two inches of rain have already fallen. Flash flooding is expected to begin shortly. Some locations that will experience flooding include San Antonio, Stinson Municipal Airport, St. Hedwig, Almond Wharf, China Grove, Lackland Air Force Base, Sandy Oaks, Von Ulmi, Lima Vista, Martinez, Mitchell Lake, Los Soya, Southton, Sayers, Thelma, Brook City Base, and Bronig Lake. Additional rainfall amounts of 2 to 3 inches are possible in the warned area. Turn around, don't drown when encountering flooded roads. Most flood deaths occur in vehicles. Be especially cautious at night when it is harder to recognize the dangers of flooding. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back after that message, uh, that alert from the Weather Bureau. I hope that you will take that very seriously. Don't cross those those uh, high water areas. Uh, don't think, well, I can do it. Oh, it's not so bad. My car will make it. You'll be swept away. Soapy, when take we got the adjusted, I, I lost. Uh, I can't hear. You can't hear. Okay, John. It comes down to what you're saying a little bit. I'll take advantage of this little break. Uh, there you get the warning. We just got an alert here on the radio. It Talk said, "Don't serendipity." Yeah, the the rain, the flooding. There's going to be flooding here. There. Don't try to cross those high water areas. Don't you know the warning? But and yet, in spite of that. In spite of that warning, clearly, repeatedly given over and over again, you'll be swept away. This will have. Uh, we don't do it. Uh, what is it? We don't believe them. We don't believe they know what they're talking about about the weather and about the power of the water that drive that can carry a, a vehicle away. We don't believe it. We just. I, I don't. And the same thing here. Here we're talking about God is giving a warning. God is telling us very clearly this is happening, and and yet we just insist on walking off the cliff. You know, we're just, which I I don't I don't get it, and yet it happens. And John asked the question a while ago, why why do people do that? You know, and I think all of us read the Old Testament at times. We'll read about Isaiah and Jeremiah. We'll read about those warnings. We'll read about calling them back and reminding them of God's goodness and God's power and what he did for them. And and yet still we insist, and John asks, well, why? That doesn't even make sense. Uh, but it makes sense in the biblical worldview and because... There is such a thing as sin. It's fundamental. It's basic. Uh, we are wicked, perverse. We want what we want when we want it. We want it our way. We want, uh, and we just, when God tells us, you know, that certain things are evil and wrong and destructive to our lives, we don't want it because we like those pleasures. We like those things. I, I was, I was listening, as you know, to a, this week on the, on the internet. 
I discovered my wife uh, discovered this fellow named Jesse Morell. Uh, you can you can YouTube you can uh, Google Jesse Morell uh, pr- preaching at at universities and so on and, and being punched in the face and all. There's a street preacher, and and he reminds me so much of what Isaiah Jeremiah the, Hosea what these prophets must have been like. He's going to the free speech centers of the universities where people are espousing all kinds of violence and, and uh, socialism and all kinds of immorality and homosexuality and so on. And he goes and he proclaims the message of the gospel straight, clear, the the message of redemption, calling people to repent, to turn back to God, to abandon, to obey God's commands, to abandon their sin and that God will act on their behalf and and uh, now, of course, he's met with violence. Uh, he got punched in the face, and one of the time, you know, he's right there. You can see it on YouTube, Jesse Morell. Uh, and it, 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 I, I emailed you, and I said, this guy reminds me of, of prophets. Did you go and look at, watch some of that? And did, did it, did it uh, have the same effect in, on you? You put me in such an awkward position that I now know you're not reading my text. I, I, I did know, actually. You I'm, did. I'm, that was my getting you to uh, tell yeah. about okay, it. Yeah. Yes, I, uh, I, I watched yeah, you said three you or did. four of them and, and surveyed some others. And I saw the one where he got punched. And... Uh, and uh, I was surprised that he didn't really want to punch back. But. Yeah, he didn't. He just took a defensive mode and yeah. his forearm and all. But you said that, uh, I, I said, does he remind you maybe uh, these prophets that we're reading about, for example, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Amos, all of them, they were truly very brave individuals. I mean, I suppose that. Uh, Jeremiah, um, we have to admire the fact that he was even willing to stay in the saddle and keep telling the truth and keep calling the people to to repent, to turn to God, to uh, because boy, it, they it, it, with, with even in a violent way, they did not want to hear what Jeremiah had to say. I mean, they just. It, and I guess we do have it. We scratch our heads and go, what in well, the world? But yeah. but that's what's going on in our own country. Well, we have people turning away from the values and the and the history and the truth and the worldview that has brought us to greatness as a nation. And yet, because they want their homosexuality, they want their abortions, they want their pleasure, they want their this, uh, they want their uh, what power, they want their pleasures— it's just, it doesn't matter. You know, it's interesting. We don't Later care. on next week when we get into the rest of Jeremiah, there's a spot where Jeremiah says, God said, if you want your freedom, I give it to you. Now you got it. <laughs> and, and that's when disaster. That's what reminds me of what C.S. Lewis said, that, that in the end, after all things are said and done, uh, in the first place, more things will be said than done. <laughs> but, but he says at the end, the final result is that there will be two alternatives. Uh, God will, we will say to God, Thy will be done, or there will be the other group of people that where God says to them, Thy will be done. Uh, <laughs> well, speaking of being striking, uh, done or uh, getting done, uh, Mark Twain tells a story about when he was a child in Mississippi. They had a maid that, uh, that uh, a maid, I guess, quasi slave, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, she was a good cook. And uh, they had an old stove, and she fell on the stove and got burnt up, and, and she died. And they had to bury her. 
But on her tombstone, they put that she was a good slave, so they put, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. <laughs> and, uh, uh, okay, well, uh, a, a little humor is appropriate for this moment, but yeah. th- it is a very serious moment, but just you know, as it was this serious. real quickly, there's a, you know, and a lot of people talk about the things we don't have good in America. People say, oh, we're oppressed. Oh, somebody insulted me. My feelings are hurt. Well, there's two groups out there because, uh, you know, in, in the, as a group, as a society, the only people that allow institutionalized slavery anymore are the Muslims. So, and some Muslim countries, Boko Haram and all that, and uh, some other countries like Yemen, they actually have slaves, even mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. So, uh, out of curiosity, and I heard, I heard there's one group, and I believe it's called, it's a Christian group, called the Nazarene Group. And then there's another group called the Group of Christians and Jews. Mm-hmm. Both of them have been rounding up money and actually buying the little girls, especially the little girls that were taken as slaves. And they were buying them. And the last I heard, I believe, uh, that the last amount they actually purchased and got free was 12800 12, something there. Well, anyway, so I had a couple of pieces of literature on that. And I took it around and I showed it to some people. I said, hey, you know, we talk about you know, maybe we can't go in the bathroom with somebody and we should just be able to do that. And everything's just right. And we're so oppressed. I said, here's oppression. And I said, but you know, Nobody seems to care. And I've got to tell you, it was kind of humiliating to me. I found almost the most, if I may say, the most liberal people couldn't have cared less. They were so consumed by, they felt their oppression, and they don't know what oppression is. When you can't even go to the bathroom unless somebody says you can, when when a woman or a young girl must marry somebody, when they must have sex with their master, when they must do whatever they're told to do, that's oppression. And that should stir us. That should and, move us to action. And you would think action. that that matters. And I, what, the words that came back to me when I took these two groups, one is called the uh, Fellowship of Christians and Jews. The other one is called the Nazarene Group. And they actually collect money and buy it. And then one of the criticisms, they say, well, gee, that just encourages them to do it. No, they're doing it anyway, so you might as well try to save people. But I find fascinating is that nobody seemed to care about those people and let's i want to be honest with you about something almost all these people that are being taken as slaves are christians and it's easy to analogize when the jews needed help germany holocaust all that not many people helped and now you got a situation where christians are really needing help and you can't seem to get anybody to really care because we're too concerned about who i can go potty with even other christians yeah yeah, we're in a whale of a mess, but nobody wants to face it, it seems like. Uh, or it, could it be that everybody seems helpless to do anything about it? That that, But we can't take that tack, folks. We, as, as Abraham Lincoln said, we get the government, we get the, the culture, the society we deserve. This, that is one thing we get. It, we get what we deserve. And when you have this incredibly low turnout among Christians and among believers at, at elections, you have the incredibly low uh, turnout for mayor isn't, and isn't city council and so on. Antonio, less than 10% of the voters voted the city council and yeah. the council right now. Yeah. So when they're voting for things that you don't like, you know what? I mean, less than 10% voted. 
So they're take, getting the money and they're spending money on things that we might yeah. not agree with. But if only less than 10 yeah. percent votes. There is there is this moment. There is this time when if we will move, if we will act, if we will take up and read God's word and, and vote God's word, his principles, his values, the worldview, I assume we can make a difference. I, I, there seemingly there are enough of us who believe, who at least say we believe, uh, give, you know, kind of mouth. Well, what came back to me when I was looking at those two groups that are really helping to try to free some of the real slaves. Uh-huh. And the only cultures, and this is what I noticed, when I would say, well, look at these two groups, they're really buying slaves, some of these particular Muslim groups that were mm-hmm. enslaving people. And uh, I, I found the t- people tensed up, and they, oh, they were worried about saying the word Muslim. But not worried about the slavery. I know it. I don't know. We we live in such an era that you. That's the thing about this Jesse Morrell that I thought was so striking. He just says blatantly, clearly, the truth. He just and and, and there's these people that come out of the crowd try to kind of uh, smooth you know smooth talk him and try to kind of uh, oh you you know you're saying what you believe in the, the kind of the politically correct people trying to kind of smooth talk with and then there's the violence and the shouting and then the uh, and everyone instead of just receiving God's word and saying you know that's right we I must take my family my home my we need to walk with God and I don't know it, it just has to be it comes down to well during the break I said the people I, what I, we I, want I heard today during the break between like 19, I'll just round it off to make it easy, 90 to 2,000, 1990 to 2,000. Uh-huh. 10 to 12% of the kids entering college entered with a biblical view of the world. From 2000 to 2010, it went down to 7%. From 2010 to the present time, it's down to 4%. Of those 4%, over half of them go fall away by the time they leave. So... What happens is, is, and everybody said, as John when we was talking during the break, said, well, whose fault is it? And I said, it's yours. He just kind of looked at me and I said, and I said, it's Soapy's and it's mine. It's everybody else's. The truth is, it's our fault. And you can't, everybody says, well, we need to do this, we need to do that. But nobody does anything. Everybody just tells everybody else what to do. So I find it fascinating. It's just like the... The, the people who were in slavery, and I, I, I mean, I'm not on a, a high thing about this, but I just found it fascinating that that's real oppression. That's what matters. The rest of it's not oppression. It's just something you don't agree with. People don't know what oppression is. What came back to me was Dennis Prager's words, because in his book, he, one of his books, he always talks about he goes to college campuses, and he asks people if... Your dog. Do they actually let him speak? Some they used to anyway. But anyway, I thought they shouted him down and uh, got him off the uh, campus. It seems sort of like right now. I don't know. Uh, they, <laughs> the, <laughs> so, um, so, but when he, say, he says, if your dog was drowning and a stranger was drowning, who would you save? And he says, almost uniformly, the college kids say, "Well, it's everybody's own personal decision. They may love their dog more than they know the stranger." And his point, Dennis Prager's point, was that nobody told them a human being is more important than a dog. 
And, I, and so when I was doing that slavery thing, I was giving it out to some people. And I was listening closely and I was thinking about that example. And I found basically it's true. I'm more worried about somebody saying something that offends me. And I actually got a couple people that kind of just stiffened up when I said, well, in the Muslim countries, it's still allowed. They, I could tell they didn't like that. But the truth is, it's not the word that was mattered. Somebody being a slave is what mattered. And let's face it, most of the people that are being taken as slaves are women and girls. So they can be abused. And there's just something wrong with that that we don't care. But we do care about a choice of words. We do care who we go to pot, if we can go to potty with somebody. And political correctness, uh, uh, of course, is there as well, the, the way we speak. But just clearly saying the truth, uh, it, it, it it just drives people crazy these days. Well, I, I disagree with you at a bit in the sense that I do think I think I think there are there is a remnant. There is a the, uh, small. I don't even know what size it is. It's somewhat <clears throat> reflected in our political process. It's somewhat reflected in the voting and so on. Uh, there's a there obviously is a battle going on for the soul of America. This land is, it, there's a tremendous debate, there's a tremendous battle going on between the forces of evil, the forces of progressiveness and so on, and, 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 and against God's word, against God, against God's people, against the, the values that are purported in the scriptures, the truth of the scriptures, which form the foundation of our of our of our formation as a nation, but uh, there's, I think there are people out there bravely uh, counseling um, women going to abortion part, uh, um, centers, and there are people who are confronting these issues and bravely preaching and sharing and encouraging, and God, and there are people praying and working, uh, and there are all kinds, there's Slavery, there's abortion, there's uh, sexual immorality at every front. There's lying, there's there's uh, hedonism, there's uh, materialism and money. Where I mean, this now socialism is gaining a foothold, and evidently in the Democratic Party and the American politics and so on. So, which socialism at its very root. Is stealing. It's immoral. It's taking uh, from people what belongs to people, their earnings, and, and by force taking it and giving it to others. Whereas the the biblical model is that people that belongs to people, but people are free to give it, and and that was a part of our culture for for decades and decades and decades, and and, and then the government started taking over the area of charity and giving and taking care of the weak and the sick and so on. And, and now, and God's people are just receding and, we, and we've got to take back territory. I, I think there are people working and praying and I'm, this is morning, 2,000 young men and women in the Air Force. We talked about these very issues and, and, and you know, talked about God's God's word and talk, the validity and the the authority of God's word. And he tells us how to live and God's laws are clear and, and, and so on. Uh, I used that illustration this morning. Uh, there are only two groups of people ultimately going to come out, those, those that say to God, thy will be done. And then there's going to there the group that God is going to ultimately say to them, thy will be done. And they won't like what they get. 
so anyway, I think there are people who are acting. Who Here we are. We're trying to shout to people, repent, turn to God, get back in your church, get back in your synagogue, okay, so worship God. let's say God. somebody does that. Do the right thing. Okay, do the right thing. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to criticize you. Because you, you say ready? every week. No, I'm going to criticize Every you. week you say, because you say be the fi- kind of. Well, Remember? That, what right. is it you say? But here's what I'm going to challenge you <clears throat> because you say, do the right thing, return to God. What's that mean? What will it, it will mean something different for my life than it will mean for uh, yours, I assume. See? Because you, what does God lay on your heart to do? Uh, that, what, is, what does God lead you to want to do? And so then you must act on it. Oh, I see. And, and what so I. What does return to God mean? Because I'm, I'm actually going to jump into the Jeremiah. G- great question. What does it mean, return to God? A listener out there tonight, they're listening in the car, By and the they way, know. Do we happen to have a phone number. Yes, three four zero ninety five eighty five. That's right, three four zero nine five eight five. Would love to hear about you because it, it's come down to this, folks. We've got to talk about solutions. We talk, we've got to talk about responses. What do we do? And what was the question you asked? I said, well, what does that mean, return to God? What do you mean by that? Because I want to jump into Jeremiah because actually the first couple chapters talk something about what you just said. Okay, let's jump into that and see. You're going you're gonna to ref- keep that question in mind and you're going to ask in the, in the time of Jeremiah, Jeremiah what it, did it mean for them to return to God? So explain that to us, and then let's talk about in our times, what does it mean? Is we in modern day Texans, Americans, you know, where we are? Let's talk about what it means for us to turn to God. uh, Look at your question number five. Jeremiah's first vision, and I love the beginning chapters of Jeremiah, about his calling when God, I mean, that's powerful. There's a young man. God tells him, I'm going to use you, and boy, he... By the way, everybody says Jeremiah did not, was commanded by God not to get married. Now, that's true while he was there. Uh-huh. We, when he went down to Egypt, that was no longer the command. He could get married and have mm-hmm. kids. But go ahead. Jeremiah's first vision, and this is in chapter 1, was of an almond tree. What was the significance of the almond tree? Now I have an answer there. Does that answer yeah, seem? Yeah, we're going to see what's your answer. Let's, let's say if I what is it? Now, this God says, wants him to look at an almond tree, right? In verse one, chapter ver, chapter one, verse twelve, it means that God is watching and will carry out judgment. The almond tree was among the first of the trees to blossom in in the season of the almond tree uh, in the year. The almond tree was among the first trees to blossom and was a sure shine, sign that spring was coming. So the lesson of the almond tree is God is watching and judgment is coming. Well, let's take a look. Right? Well, how does your verse 12 read in your Bible? Uh, 112. Um, let me get to it. It says, Then Lord, the Lord said to me, Look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I replied, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, that's right, and it means that I am watching, and I will certainly carry out my plans. The Hebrew name for the almond tree 
shaked signifies the speed or haste of the blossom of the tree which comes before other trees as early as late january the farmer must be watching closely to see its advanced bloom jeremiah prophesied that god was like that farmer he was watching carefully for the perfect moment to judge because uh what I take it is, it has the same meaning, but a little different. Uh-huh. Uh, the, uh, the branch is there, but it had no leaves. Okay. But, uh, he, but when he says, uh, well, I can, what do you see? And he said, well, I see a branch. In your verse 11, does it say I see a branch? I see a branch from an almond see, tree. the branch is the emphasis. It had no leaves. Mm-hmm. But the branch could be t- uh, told by Jeremiah, hey, this branch is from that kind of tree. If I showed you ten branches, chances are you might not be able to tell me what branch of a tree it came from. I certainly could not. But he could identify the branch. And God says, okay, you've seen well. And uh, then he asked him something about, in verse 13, about a boiling pot. Yeah, what do you see now? And Jeremiah replied, I see a pot of boiling water spilling down from the north. Yes, the Lord said, For terror from the north, terror from the north will boil out on the people of this land. Listen, I am calling the armies of the kingdoms of the north to come to Jerusalem. I, the Lord, have spoken. They will set their thrones at the gates of the city. They will attack its walls and all the other towns of Judah. And of course, he's announcing judgment from the north, from Syria, from Babylon, uh, down upon uh, the nation. Okay, I saw you. Uh, we got Yeah, we do have to take an hour. Wow, the time has begun to really fly quickly here. That's our music. You can give us a call. We'd love to hear some of your thoughts about this, not only about Isaiah and Jeremiah, but what does this say to America today? 340-9585. Don't go away. with Soapy Dollar. God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse with it. All right, we are back. We need a real good, solid dose of that grace of God. But um, grace does not mean uh, kind of easy believism. Grace does not mean, oh, we'll let it slide. You won't. We're not going to hold you. Grace is accompanied by repentance and faith on our side. Then God, God gives grace when we repent, when we turn back to Him. His grace kicks in, but it's just not. It doesn't mean okay. I'm just going to let you off this time. You can go on being wicked and evil and destructive. That's what we're talking about. We're into the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, these so, great prophets so the of God. the boiling pot and what relationship does the almond branch and the boiling pot okay. have? I, I told the general, I'm told that the general interpretation, I don't know, Jewish, Christian or whatever, but is that this was 
the almond tree was the early yeah. budding tree and that it was one that... Right, early, it's fine. It gave them a warning. Yes, but first he shows him the branch without almonds or lemons. Well, I didn't see that. He just okay. said, look so what you see. I see a branch. branch from an almond tree. And one of the early blossoming plants is the almond tree because mm-hmm. it's early with blossoming with almonds and mm-hmm. leaves. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it shows him the branch because this almond tree is just a branch. He says, what do you see? I see a branch. What kind? It's an almond. Yeah. And he says, you've seen well because the first one that's going to blossom means it's going to, my judgment's coming rapidly. I am watching and it will cert- I will certainly carry out so, my plans. So first he shows him a bare branch and he says, well, this blossoms soon. So that means judgment's coming soon. Then he talks about this boiling pot. That's the Babylonians coming. And uh, <laughs> um, and so what's happening is, um, and you know what? It, even we talk about historically, we talk well the Babylonians came and they destroyed Jerusalem, and it's just sort of like cold facts that we're talking about. Yeah. But am I right in in something like how many millions of Jews were slaughtered in by the Babylonians? Uh, Babylonians, I don't know the answer. Romans, I can tell you. Uh, about two and a half million. That's what I thought, yeah. But it was, uh, it, the slaughter was terribly under the Babylonians. Remember the siege was set and people, um, the siege was set and people uh, were eating their own children. The, the, the famine was so great uh, under the siege of, of the Babylonians. So... There was there was terrible, terrible, un, unspeakable suffering, and I I think we need to realize that today that that you know America is not exempted from the rules of God, from the laws of God. That uh, you know we are in fact we've already outlasted what really great empires have lasted over the centuries. And um, many, I've, I've begun to say, this this is going to happen in our lifetime. It, so there's there's a great motivation for us as God's people, particularly as God's people, to re, to repent. But I I love your question tonight. What then? What does it mean to what was it? What does it mean to repent? What does it mean well, to return, return, return to God? Because everybody says you got to return. You got to need to return to God. That. And I say, okay, what does that mean? Well, maybe Bob has an idea for us. Uh, I'd yeah. like to hear okay. what Bob says right, here. Take, take a call. Maybe Bob will uh, give us his thought on what does it mean for us to return to God. Uh, let me see. I didn't hit the right button for him there, and I need to. Let me see. Hang on a second. I'm going to, I'm going to get to you. I, I, I promise. I know I will. I think I'm in touch with him now. Bob, are you there? Uh, yes, sir. Hi, good, Soby. Good. Good. This is a very serious conversation we're having tonight about. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Isaiah, Jeremiah. What is God saying to us <laughs> as God's people today? That's. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this. Wow, that, the contemporary part. That's uh, kind of interesting, but I was kind of going back on the history part. I, I was thinking, well, it's, it would be logical that what you, they must have left if they have to return, and then they must have lost what they had. Uh, I, I think it's an old, old uh, Motown song. Uh, he got what he got. That guy got what he wanted, but he lost what he had. And and um, 
you know, kind of a cute way that the, the Motown guys had of uh, uh, putting their lyrics together. Right. But right. Uh, uh, and, and sometimes it's our. Uh, but uh, it might have something. Ultimately, as you read the whole book, it might have something to do with the sabbatical years and iniquity. There may have been some iniquity that cropped up in that uh, they were were too greedy and not not forgiving debts and maybe not um, not letting the land rest. Uh, and uh, I guess it came back to haunt them anyway. In that, in that they had to leave for seventy years to make up for the 70 uh, sabbatical years that were not observed. Um, right. But it, the and then, then in the New Testament, the bondage, yeah. And, yeah, in the New Testament, it says, re, 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 it says to uh, forgive 70 times 7. So maybe beyond that 70 times, once it goes up beyond 490, maybe a judgment has to come. Uh Interesting, interesting. Uh, Jacob has mentioned uh, that several times, and I'm sure he's writing down a note or two based on what you're saying. And uh, yeah, it, it seems like every, there's so many points, there's so many areas of sin and turning away from God, whether it's uh, materialism and greed and selfishness, or whether it's uh, sexual immorality or the killing of innocent children in the womb, or we could go on and on, the violence, uh, how many are being murdered and killed on the streets of Chicago these days? I mean, of course, other cities as well, but you've got you've got this violence unleashed, you've got this this mocking of God and turning, and, uh, and, and so... I, I think there's not going to be just one response that everybody has to do. Jacob asked the question, what does it mean to turn to God? What does it mean for return. us to return to him? And I think it it will mean something individually. What, Bob, what would it, what would it mean see, to you? That's going to be my contention. Okay. It cannot mean something individually. That's the hazard. But, Joe, Bob, okay. tell us what you think. But it's kind of a collective. it's kind of a collective judgment for the nation, you mean. Is that what you're saying? No, but go ahead. Instead of individual. Okay, no, I don't know. I'll get him to share it in a moment. Do you have a thought about it? What it means? Well, well I, I remember when when they when they were at the at the uh, Red Sea, they had uh, I've I read it kind of carefully, and uh, they kind of, they were kind of looking back towards the uh, the, the Pharaonic army that was coming towards them, and they had to make an about face and see the salvation. Uh, of, uh, of the Lord, uh, the Most High, mm-hmm. and 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 then they saw the the then he raised the, the the scepter, and then the waters parted, and they were able to go through dry on dry land. But they had to do an about face, and sometimes on uh, teshuva or uh, shuv is uh, the Hebrew. It means you have to make an about face and as make a change of your ways. Uh, but uh, I think Jeremiah he really tried to do that, but. Yeah. Sometimes he would take his words to the king, and they'd throw him in the uh, in the fire. And uh, I think Baruch, his his, uh, his scribe, had to actually write the whole the whole scroll again. But uh, I don't know. Hey, that's Bob, what he was up against. He was thrown in dungeons and stuff like that. It was yeah, terrible. I support what you're saying. Could I read just the first two verses from chapter two to you? Yes, sir. Okay, chapter two is. Uh, God's word came to me, to this Jeremiah talking. Go out to Jerusalem. God says, I remember how faithful you were in your youth, your love as a bride, 
How you followed me in the wilderness, a land that had not been sown. Israel is holy to God, the first fruit of his harvest. Whoever tries to destroy her will be held guilty, and evil will befall him, says God. So it's, that's actually going right back to what you're saying when they were at, um, at the parting of the water. So they actually they did have to do it about face, as you say. And what? And you're right. The words you quoted is correct about the shoe. That's right. But what does it mean? And this is what I was saying: is it cannot mean individually what I think and what you think. I don't think it means that. My position is the return to God has a very concrete meaning. So mm-hmm. what would that mean? I, we all, you say about face, turn around. Well, that's great, but. What are we yeah. doing? Well, 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 maybe you can answer your question. Okay. Well, here's what I'm saying, Bob. I'm saying this. Your return to God is very specific in Isaiah early, and even in Jeremiah, it means repent for what we've done wrong. It has a very definite meaning. Repent for what we've done wrong, our sins. Now, the difficulty is, if you have no idea what God says is sin, then what in the world are you going to repent for? So how can you return to God? That's very interesting. I I sometimes uh, talk to Christians, and uh, they mention about being a Gentile and being a Jew, what the difference is, and I sometimes think, how would the Gentile really know about... uh, what Moses's law is when he—it's really—he's really not familiar with it, but the Jew is familiar with it because it's what we're raised on. But uh, uh, anyway, I, I, I think that the New Covenant—if uh, if the Scripture is read carefully—we can see that it's bringing Israel back together, the uh, the northern tribes that left in Assyrian captivity. They're going to be joined in the New Covenant with the Jew. And uh, you bring up the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. I, I was able to send them a little contribution this month. And uh, I always put, sign off on my letter. I put a little letter to Rabbi Eckstein, and I always end it with uh, your brother. I, uh, I always, and I sometimes mention, you know, I hope we can take it to the next level where it's not a fellowship anymore. It's a brotherhood. And, uh, you know, but I think this show is important in that in that regard. Uh and uh, of uh, but uh, of uh, making the new covenant actually happen, because mm. if you read that if you read that scripture in uh, Jeremiah thirty one, it has to do with uh, bringing the two bringing Israel back together. Uh, but uh, I don't think it's gonna it's not gonna readily happen, especially if some people think the new covenant kind of did away with the old covenant, but really the new covenant actually just intensifies the old covenant. True. Uh, anyway. And 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 that and in that way we come we we return to him, you know. It's not like oh oh there's we we reinvented the wheel now. We have to actually return to the old ways and the uh, the the son the the ch- the children have to return their hearts to the fathers and the fathers to the children. Uh, that's being all like, a part uh, of it. I agree. I, I think like that's a, all a part of it. Uh, let me go. I'm going to check out another listener. Yeah, yeah. Call I'll check you out, Bob. Thank you. Let's go and visit. I think Harold is on the line here. Harold, do you have a thought about this? We're into, uh, This is a really 
productive conversation, I think. And a lot of people are asking, what can I do? What, what, how can I make a difference, each of us individually? What, what does it mean to return to God? Did you, you got a thought mm. for us at all? Well, of course, at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's an awful lot, Sophie. I know. Uh, it's, you know it's a big it's question. A lot. Well, it is. but And it's been answered, and there's been examples in the Bible. Also, uh, I just want to say one thing you probably didn't know. <clears throat> On the way to uh, certain, uh, sometimes any given day of the week, I'll listen to another Christian radio show. Hope you don't mind. No, uh, uh, you're forgiven. <laughs> Kathleen Witten. Are you repenting? She, <laughs> Kathleen Witten. No. You're <laughs> Kathleen Witten. I listen to her most every Saturday morning. Now, it feels so good to hear someone that believes in God and sincerely believes in God. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, besides that, you know, that's just a little secret I guess I have. And uh, Ho- uh, Hosanna, uh, verse chapter 3, verse 1. I think this is an example. It says, Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again, even though she and other with another lover. I left out a word. Hosea. The book of Hosea. Hosea. Uh Yeah. And then it says, This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So it takes an action. It takes somebody that has to go through some bad times, some bad feelings, and they have to realize they still need to do what they promised. They still need to care about the one. They put the ring on the finger. They quote Mm, whatever. You cannot break off and you do what the rest of the people do because somebody hurt my feelings or somebody did this and that. So you just have to come, have to stay with the Word of God, you know, or like the law of the commandments or however you want to hear it. But I'm going to let you run. Uh, it was a very difficult show for me tonight. I was uh, I was trying to come up with an answer for you. There's one that's in the Bible, and it is the Bible I show. So if y'all want to talk about that, I'll... I'll see you next time. Thank you very much, Harold. We appreciate your calling in and hey, so weighing in. I like his, his well, thoughts sure, there a little sure. bit. Sure, like, sure. Both, call, both <clears throat> those callers are good. Uh, listen, uh, let's see what they what the Jeremiah says, because as I just read when Bob was online, it does say that Israel is going to get disciplined. Right. It also brings in a very terrifying thing, that the rod of his discipline will also be punished. Isn't that scary? Because he says he says Babylon oh, itself is going to be punished. Exactly yeah. uh-huh. so. Now look over at uh, you've got a question. Uh, your question number uh, number seven. God says He is the living water, and that Israel had made two terrible mistakes. Okay. One, they forsake Him, the fountain of living water, and secondly, they dug for themselves wells that are cracked and hold no water. In other words, not only did they reject the true and living God, they followed after false gods and false answers. Now we have an idea of what's being said about repent or returning to God is. It's really clear because you've got it here. It's not a general idea. You might be able to help some remedy, but actually there's this real sense of what returning or repenting is about. 
Well, when you return, you're repenting for something, and the two items that are named are right here in your question seven. You're turning away from something, and right. you're turning to yeah. something. That's right. So is that the idea? Yeah, and Bob said it correct. The Hebrew word there is the turn around and go back. So uh, repent mm-hmm. in English. And repent's much better because uh, you have a buddy. His name, uh, we should call him sometime and get him out of bed, uh, Murph. Because mm-hmm. uh, he won't call in, so maybe we should call him. <laughs> so, Murph, if you're listening, get he'll on guard. Never, we may call never you. forgive us. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but, uh, but the point is, it's the word repent. So, repent for what? For what? Abandoning God and picking other gods. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I've been thinking about this. And... You know, and believe me, I'm not talking to get bad about movies and stuff, because I go to movies and I like movies. But, you know, all these superheroes, all these people with different powers than a human being in the movies, those are gods. And we're treating them like gods, and people love those stories. And so that's a nice idea, but what we're giving up is the idea of there's a, like a supernal or a supernatural god that actually did do something. We give up that idea and replace it with the fantasy of these other gods. Mm-hmm. And I think you're onto something there. I've often wondered, what is this fascination with these zombies and with these vampires and with these these other all of these f- false sort of um, mythological actually ideas? Sure. And I, I think there's more to it than just, and I, I know you think, oh, those are Christians again going out after movies and so on. But, no, there is a significance to these things. It means something, a fascination with a different worldview, with, a, with this supernatural delivery. There's not an addressing of sin, of unrighteousness. Uh, it, it's, it's this supernatural delivery to to go ahead and keep living the way we want to, but because we've got this, this supernatural God, this substitute God that's going to keep it, we can keep living the way we want to. And, and that's not... And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't go to the movies. That's fine, go to the mm-hmm, movies. Mm-hmm. But, but I am saying, like I'll tell you, I did go see that. I've seen both movies, Death of a Nation, mm-hmm. and I've also seen the movie uh, Black Klansman. You saw Death of a Nation? I did. And I saw Black Klansman. Who did Death of the Nation? Uh, Sousa. Sousa. Okay, that's what I was thinking. You've seen that already. Uh, Boy, are you good at those. Are you getting to those? Uh, yeah, yeah. How is it? What, what do you think? I don't have much of a life. I, that's kind of what I do. <laughs> no, but you uh, got, got does it seem does on, it yeah. seem well? Uh, is it a good message? Is yeah, it something yeah, helpful? Yeah, it's fine. I, I catch his drift. <clears throat> I get to, uh, some of the things you're surprised about, like they've been talking about Charlotte and that kind of stuff, and their clans and all that. Well, the truth is that one of the leaders and organizers on there that he interviews in the movie, and the guy talks about how he doesn't like Trump. He liked Hillary. And, uh, and you say, and you bang saying, what? And uh, because you, your instinct is different. And how about that? The group, the little group, the little Klansmen or Nazis or whatever they were, mm-hmm. probably not much would have happened if, if that Atifa and the other groups hadn't showed up. Hadn't shown up, And yeah. got into the fight with them. But, I mean, because the truth is... So you've got these two very, very misguided, right. even wicked groups <laughs> fighting and causing this upheaval. So well, let's, let's not be sexist. You call them misguided. Let's call them Mr. Guided. Mr. Guided, okay. Well, the, the point is, and we've only got a little time left to, to, to talk about... I am curious about what you're saying about... Uh, see, I'm... I'm 
I'm me. I, I'm so. I've got my limited little world, my limited uh, little uh, circle of friendships, and, and my circle of influence that I can have. The things that I'm open and available to me to do. And so, I guess returning to God would be for me to do do what God seems to be for me personally. What there are things I need to turn away from in my own life, in my own behavior, and in turn to, and then there's. There's my family, there's my circle, you know, love my wife, be faithful to my wife, love my children, guide my children, pray for my children. Then there's my neighbors. And in other words, we all have that little circle of from the personal to the national. Now, all I can do in terms of national politics, what we're doing in here on the radio, we're talking to as many people as we can, all six of them (laughs) out there listening. But also, but I can vote. I can get involved. I can in some level. So don't you think that well, what it, it means to turn to God that, means? Yeah, but first you got to. That's why I started off by saying tonight you got to think it's real. You got to make a decision if you believe it or you don't. It's a decision, your personal decision. If you choose to believe it, then this makes sense. If it's all just uh, supernal fantasies, then it doesn't make sense. And you They're don't right. have to repent. Nothing's going to happen. Um, I know there was a lady I was talking to, and Jewish, and uh, she said, well, and she was a very, you know, she had a certain point of view, which is her right to do. But of she course. said, well, you know, Israel opened up the borders with all the Palestinians and everybody in. And I said, don't you understand that they're there to destroy, not there to support? And I said, they'll come, and they'll just vote themselves over and take over the government. And I said, then you know what's going to happen? And she said, what? And I said, then you're, when you start getting oppressed, maybe killed. What you're going to do is you're going to ask for help. And who you're going to want to help is my children and my grandchildren. And I'm going to encourage them to not help you because you have been warned and you're still choosing to put my children and grandchildren in danger. Now, that may have been kind of a harsh thing, but I sure kind of get the same theme in Jeremiah. When you still get the same theme in America. We have an immigration. We have problems. We're surrendering the nation to millions of people coming who don't love America, who don't want America as founded and as established, and they have a different view. I mean, the same thing, we're... It, we're we are, in a way, in as they did in the Jeremiah's times... Cutting their own throats. You know, the, <laughs> you probably you will catch a name in here as we're reading. There's a name named Gedalia. Mm-hmm. He gets killed. Mm-hmm. He's actually the last remnant of the priests and people. In And when him and his supporters get killed, there are no more Jews. And the remaining Jews kidnap Jeremiah and the other people, and they run with them to Egypt. So there is nobody left in Israel. Israel's gone. So it has died. Now, here's a Christian thought for you that you're going to love. If Israel's a picture of the Messiah, at that point it died. And yet it came back. It resurrected. Uh-oh. Speaking of that, you should always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. <laughs> and, and we'll finish that thought next week as we continue through the book of Jeremiah. I hope that you'll join us. The God's Word has oh, we're so talk, much. We're going to answer the question about the ark. Okay, God's Word has so much to tell us. And we're going to find out what Jeremiah says about where the Ark of the Covenant was hidden. See you next week. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. 
mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.